Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello there and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. As ever, you are joined by picky Italians, Dylan B. Jones and Juno Dawson. And this week, for a very special episode, we have a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Heidi Klum. I'm just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cumming. Just kidding. Ladies and gentlemen, Margaret Chow. Just kidding. It is Sue Yin Hayes from one of my very favourite magazines from Galdem. Thank you for joining us, Sue Yin. Thank you so much for having me, Juno and Dylan. I'm so excited to be here. I've been begging to come on for ages, so I'm glad that you finally gave in. <laughs> oh, I will no, say we're this, happy. It has never been begging. <laughs> it has been very restrained. Yeah. Um, and difficult for me to live up to those fantastic guest stars that we have in this week's episode, to be honest. I, I can't lie to you, we, we tried. We, we, did, we did go in some DMs. I'm not saying you're a fourth choice. Um, but, but, um, but this one, it's a funny one because this episode was voted the fan favourite. This is apparent, apparently the best episode of all time if we are to believe the polls. So no no pressure, but I weirdly, I feel pressure in talking about this episode, even though we've now talked about a gazillion episodes. Um, we are examining season four, episode two, The Real Me. Dylan, as ever, do you have a small glass jar with a synopsis inside it for us. You know what, I kind of, it's funny that you said a small glass jar, because I always imagine like, you know those like potted desserts that you get from the supermarket, mm-hmm. that's in like a glass, like maybe like a goo dessert, that's what I imagine. <laughs> when I thought I'm... you were avoiding a brand name then. I was like, we're not on the BBC, you can call and, them goo. And funnily enough, <laughs> goo are our new sponsors this season, no. Um, no, but that's what I always think about, and like the smear of chocolate on the side when you're eating it. Um, oh my God, I want one now. Um, <laughs> potted synopsis, yes. So, obviously the whole thing centres around arguably the most iconic scene in the whole thing of Sex and the City, which is this charity fashion show. Is it a charity fashion show? Yeah, correct. It's yeah. New York style. Yeah, yeah, charity fashion show with um, real models and quote-unquote real people, uh, one of which Carrie is drafted in to be by Lynn, played by Margaret Cho, and... Um, 
elsewhere, Samantha is having nudes, is hiring photographers to take her nudes, which is <laughs> which is amazing energy. Um, Charlotte's vagina is depressed. And, <laughs> um, and Miranda, I enjoyed Miranda's. I thought Miranda's storyline was like quite cool and interesting this week. Like Miranda is kind of grappling with this guy who turns out to be an asshole um, <laughs> who... Um, yeah, so basically she thinks that she, that he is too attractive for her, kind of. And she also doesn't feel comfortable when he calls her sexy because she doesn't see herself as sexy. Um, yeah. And the question that we will endeavour to answer this week is, do we ever see ourselves clearly, question mark? Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that is our goal for the week. And before we start, Suyin, tell us about life at Galdem, which I believe you haven't actually started at the time of recording, but would you like to project <laughs> your new exciting existence? Yeah, absolutely. I will um, endeavour to manifest it right now. Um, yeah, I'm currently on, on a break. Um, I just left my... Different sitcom, that's a different... <laughs> we're not doing We Were On A Break. Um, <laughs> I just left my role at recently where I'd been for nearly five years um, my last role there was as a senior reporter covering gender and culture and then I'm awesome. really excited yeah, thank you <laughs> and I'm really excited to be moving over to Galdem which will by the time this goes out I'll be in the role there I think it's kind of a glow up in the most interesting possible way no offense to Tyne who I love and the reason full disclosure the reason I know Seeyun is that she has commissioned me to write for Time. so it's cool because Time obviously iconic but Galdem is so cool. Yeah. Like, I look at the things that Galdem are doing and I look to them, honestly, as being one of very few sources of journalism in the United Kingdom that I feel I can wholeheartedly trust in terms of their politics, both big P politics and little P mm -hmm. politics, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why, you know, I'm really drawn to it. I'm really excited to start this new role as editor-in-chief. Um, wow. I've been feeling some very yeah I'm going to be filling some very legendary shoes <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to be going back there because I've actually been kind of doing copy editing and um, was their politics editor for a little while when I was in uni that was about five six years ago and so in that time since I've been at time and, and I'd also kind of lived in Hong Kong uh, in the interim too it's been amazing to see Galdem grow and become such a force to be reckoned with and you know and like like you guys do too, I really care about telling underrepresented stories and, and kind of highlighting those voices from those communities that we don't often hear from. And I think they've done such a good job at that. And I'm really excited to carry on, carry on doing that and carry on, um, yeah, carry, carry on making us a force to be reckoned with, I think. Amazing. I, ca I can't, I just can't wait to see what you're going to do. I think, I think... <laughs> It's it's incredibly exciting. It's one of those things. It's one of those. I mean, we've all we've all worked in in journalism or or currently work in journalism, and it's a really common conversation, isn't it? That people like to have, like, um, oh, like, are there any magazines that are actually doing well at the moment, or like, are there any media platforms that are like on the rise or anything? And I always say Galdam as like the top example. Mm -hmm. Possibly the only example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. The New Statesman, things are looking up there since certain people have moved on. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> um, okay. So let's let's start, as we always do, with, with Carrie. Yeah. I think what's interesting about this episode is how there is a theme, and we are going to attempt to answer the, the question, but this is one of the more rompy episodes, which is it feels a little more heightened because I think fashion 
is inherently heightened. And as soon as you start setting things in fashion, TV, film, or the music industry, immediately there is an element of unreality. And so for the most part, this episode slightly feels like what we would call in the TV industry. We would call it a destination episode in that it slightly feels like normal services on pause while we all just forget about Mr. Big and we forget about whatever dramas are happening and we just have this weird adventure in fashion. And that's how Carrie um, encounters Alan Cumming playing O. Um, we, we like E. We like it. I mean, we we never do not like it, Alan Cumming. Do you know what ever. I loved was when he said he said to the photographer, he was like, "I'll give you a surprise, love." <laughs> <laughs> what? In this economy, <laughs> hashtag um, him too. Yeah, but um, so like in a lot of TV shows, there will be a particular episode where like there will be a certain shot or a certain scene, and you're like, "Wow!" Like you can tell like the producers and the, the makers of the show really wanted you to like sit up and pay attention, and they were like, "This is a big deal. We've spent a lot of money on this." And it was at the fashion show when it panned around the audience. Then Margaret Cho was like, "Go!" And you're like there, and you're like, "Oh my god! Like this is huge. What's happening? Oh my god!" Um, yeah, so I know what you mean. Mm. And in fact, actually, in, in my little Bible, the official Sex and the City book, um, Sarah Jessica Parker talks about the difference between this episode, whereby by season four, it was getting a big HBO budget, the kind of which it had never had in its first three seasons. Oh, okay. And then she said this was the second time we'd done a fashion show. And the the first one was in episode two, Models and models and mortals i think models and mortals with the modelizers where um they they see a fashion show where barclay is leering at the models and um and sarah jessica said this was kind of one of the moments where she knew their show had become a success Mm -hmm. because they had gone from sort of trying to trying to show a fashion week on next to no budget to the season four one where they, they had a proper budget and had guest stars and and so this was quite a landmark episode for Sarah Jessica Parker as well. And um, what did we make of Paul Denai, the photographer? Oh, I thought he was a bit... I could kind of tell from when he first came in that he was going to be a bit tedious. Like, when he's like, I can show you how the camera works, or whatever he says. Oh. It's just like, oh my God, oh. shut up. <laughs> um, like, what a line. I can I show you how a camera works? No, that's so boring. Yeah, I just... And then, like, he just gets more annoying later on. And, you know, at the end when he's like all up in her face when she's like flat on her flat on her face on the runway and then she's like can you stop fucking taking my picture it's just like I don't know we don't hear Carrie swear so much but I could definitely feel her annoyance in that moment I was just about to say she never says fuck Mm -hmm. I think she says fuck about four times in all six seasons Um, and that was that was a Sarah Jessica Park thing she felt that Carrie as a writer would have a very broad vocabulary and wouldn't need to use Curse words. <laughs> That's so SJP, isn't it? <laughs> so SJP. Even on HBO, there will be no nipples and there will be no f bombs from Sarah Jessica. Um, I fancied the photographer a bit. Oh my God. I'm sorry, um, but the consent was like not there at all, was it? Like she, there was literally when she was like getting changed behind that coat rack, and she was literally saying like, "I don't feel comfortable." And then he took a picture of her. Like, what? No, absolutely not. Um, yeah. No, I, f- I found him very creepy. I understand why, of course, they needed him as the sort of the love interest of the week. And, and you can kind of see, do you know, 
obviously now we've moved on past Me Too. I think the fashion industry has had its reckonings, not to the same extent that, you know, with Weinstein or, you know, Bill Cosby, although look how that has turned out recently. But um, he's not innocent. We just can't hold him in prison. Oh, great. Um, oh, good. Um, but obviously fashion fashion does what fashion has always done, which is in the past Me Too world, it has very quietly buried its own bodies. Um, it scares me that Terry Richardson is still out there. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. He, he's not really working anymore. Like, Condé Nast have parted ways with him. Mario Testino was accused of impropriety. Bruce Weber, Bruce Weber, Bruce Weber was accused of impropriety. Um, a number of other sort of lesser huge photographers have been accused of things as well. But I do wonder if the slightly, that kind of like, cool, easygoing, kind of chain-smirking, slightly hippie. No. I mean, I, he literally turned my stomach. But I know anything from you that just pretentious. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't like taking pictures of people when they're ready. Yeah, oh, fuck off. Shut just up, fuck literally. Off. <laughs> because the, 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 candid, the candid backstage photo is, is among the most posed pictures in the universe. Kind of. Well, I can, I can um, speak from experience a little bit with, because I did like loads of covers for QX, mm. not as the photographer, but I was present for like loads of, loads of cover shoots. And it was always the best when the person being photographed was comfortable. If they were uncomfortable, you could always see it. And it was never cool or edgy or it just looked bad um so yeah i think like the fact that he's not really i mean he's in it for a bit but like you say he's not really the main point of this episode and i think it kind of lends to the point you're making earlier Gino, about you know this is like a destination episode it's about the event and you know i think i've heard you guys say on the podcast before that the most fun episodes are when carrie is single which i think i really agree with and even here, you know, she's kind of frolicking around, being a little bit ridiculous, but it's not really about her love life or, like, her romantic interests here. No. And I just thought that was that was quite refreshing, actually. Um, and just fun. And a bit silly, but fun. Mm. And yeah. I can see why it's a fan favourite, actually. It's, it's one of my favourites, for sure. Yeah, I was happy. I was happy when it finished. I was like, oh, God, I really enjoyed that. I wonder if that's why this one is so well-remembered, because of the amazing outro with the amazing song <laughs> so let me just google who it's what by to be cheryl is it cheryl lynn oh that sounds right song by cheryl lynn correct um i think the outro with the amazing music by cheryl lynn to be real <laughs> um i think cements it in your head as well so you go away feeling quite euphoric and obviously carrie has a lovely moment where she feels great about herself but i think um her monologue where she references narcissus I think it's really interesting because I think this one is like a weird fairy tale um, about, because this, I must have seen this episode a gazillion times, but over the course of the episode to see Carrie get gradually more and more swallowed up with it. And by the end where she arrives with Stanford and she's kind of like, I'm a model, you know, this is we like it's a fashion word. And then all of a sudden it all comes crashing down. Oh my God. Like... And also like, I really noticed watching it back when you know what's going to happen. The amount of times that she mentions that she chose the shoes. 
she was like, oh, I told, uh, the, the shoes were my choice. I chose, and it just makes it even worse because you're like, oh God, no, like it's her own, <laughs> she's the master of her own destruction. Like she was, the, she insisted to be put in the shoes and then fell over. So like that really brings home the humiliation as well. I also thought it was interesting how many like parallels there were between Carrie and Miranda's storylines. Um, you know, you talk about her kind of growing into it and getting like becoming, you know, we likey kind of thing. And then you also have Miranda becoming more confident and like feeling sexy and empowered. And then it kind of comes apart in an interesting way, which we can talk about later, mm. I'm sure. Well, I think that's a good place to take a little break, actually. So please do join us after the Instagram when we will discuss Charlotte's vagina. <laughs> See you in a sec. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volur xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week, we've been watching season four, episode two, The Real Me. We are joined by the new editor at Galdem, Suyin Hayes. And Haynes, I le- did I miss out the end before? No, I don't think you oh, did. Suyin Haynes, anyway. And um, I mean, I'm not sure. Is there anything else to say about Carrie? I mean, we've, we've not as yet mentioned one of my... Favourite lines from <laughs> Sex and the City. And you know yes. exactly which one it is, which is, some weeks I just bought Verg instead of dinner. I felt it fed me more. Carrie. <laughs> Carrie. And just the fact that he doesn't even like, I expected him to like burst out laughing or be like, what are you talking about? But he was like, oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, what? Oh, Carrie. deranged I mean let's just say for our listeners at home which is if you're buying magazines instead of food 
that's possibly a sign of some sort of issue. disordered eating. Um, you shouldn't have to choose. Um, madness. Absolute madness. I just want one more quote, not from Carrie, but related to Carrie's parts, was Margaret Cho calling her fuckette. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fuckette. Those are some picky Italians. <laughs> I mean, Margaret, Margaret Cho is amazing throughout. And I didn't, I had not seen her in anything previous. So this was my first exposure to Margaret Cho back in the day. She's bloody brilliant, isn't she? And I think, I know you guys have been keeping a tally of like the number of POC that like have a speaking part and I don't know if you have a number ready now we, we, we st- we've stopped counting because most <laughs> weeks it just wasn't there was no one to count I would but, guess um, like four or five yeah which is and like yeah which is dire yeah. and like for me I think you know might have to fact check on this but there hasn't really been that much like East and Southeast Asian representation at all on this show apart from some Oh God! There was the the power, the power lesbian as well at the heart of oh, lesbian yeah. dynasty. So there was a woman in a position of lesbian authority, which we love to see. Um, but I think cancelled out by um, some. some. <laughs> oh God! Oh, um, but God. yeah, yeah, it was great. Like really great, and like a really cool. Because it's one thing having like a POC speaking role, but it's another thing like having a really cool, interesting, fun, likable role yeah um which she was definitely when she says that line and she's like if i have to hunt you down skin you alive and get someone else to wear you it's just so grotesque but i just (laughs) bloody love it it's like so bawdy and brash but i think yeah she's just great and exactly like you say it's definitely it's one thing to have a a poc speaking character but another one when they're kind of interesting and more rounded and and not a racial stereotype yeah obviously obviously we've got sarah ramirez appearing in and just like that. But I wonder if someone at HBO reached out to Margaret Cho about coming back as Lynn on a full-time basis. That would have been such a nice nod. Obviously, Margaret Cho is huge. Um, I wonder if that conversation took place. I wonder if that happened. I feel like she's a bit a bit done in some way. Like she seems to have t- seems to have taken a bit of a step back from things, which is fair enough. Um, I've got an amazing Margaret Cho story. Oh, go on. So I, um, an ex showed me, my first ever boyfriend was a huge fan of hers and introduced me to her and we would sit and like watch all of her videos constantly on YouTube when we were like teenagers. And then an opportunity arose through my job to interview her um, in when she was in London, so in person. And we sat and did an interview. And then she was like, oh, it was in Fitzrovia. And she was like, oh, I'm like performing at Leicester Square Theatre. Could you walk me there? And it was just amazing. We just walked from Fitzrovia to Leicester Square in the summer, in the evening, and just chatted. And she- it was just incredible. Like, she's just ama- like a great example of, like, you should meet your idols. Because I, like, at the time, she was, like, my number. Like, I loved her so much. And it was just one of those experiences that's just, like, always, always stays with you. Yeah. That's so nice yeah. when your role models are actually worth... She didn't. Re- she didn't reply to my DM though. But you know, <laughs> she's, she's, she's on my list now, obviously. Uh, but um, Margaret, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, the door is always open. No, I mean, I think my my experiences with celebrities have been such a mixed bag. But I've realised if it's someone you really, really looked up to when you were younger, swerve them. Yeah, because. 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say which of the Spice Girls <gasps> disappointed me greatly, <gasps> but... Oh, oh my no. god! I love one how, of them did. I love how you dangle these carrots yeah. and then like leave <laughs> and leave people. Listeners, to... feel free to DM your suggestions. Which Spice Girl <laughs> disappointed Juno Dawson? <laughs> so yeah, so Carrie, she she encounters Heidi Klum. Um, she gets stepped over. She becomes fashion roadkill. It's great. She looks amazing in that Dolce & Gabbana oh. electric, electric blue trench coat, yes. which apparently Willem owns. Yes. Apparently the drag queen Willem owns the very prop wow. that Sarah Jessica Parker was wearing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, fact fans. Um, Willem from Drag Race, obviously. Um, not Willem Dafoe <laughs> from Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't think he'd be into it. I don't think. So let's let's deal with Miranda. And the asshole. And I'm really, really glad you said he was an asshole. Yeah. Because. Yeah. He didn't like that she was confident. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. And what was your segue, Cian? You, you you said, um, oh, their storylines are similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually, like, one of the reasons why I, I watched it last night. Um, and yeah, I must have seen it a million times. But I think watching it again with, with the podcast in mind, it's very cohesive as an episode, I think. Like. I, some of the questions before have been like completely out of left field and not related to anything that's happened in the episode before. But I feel like with all four of their storylines are all in some way about seeing yourself or the way other people see you or perceptions. And yeah, my segue was that I thought Miranda and Carrie's storylines were kind of similar in that like, you know, when they're on the phone to each other, like Miranda thinks it's so unbelievable that this hot guy would ask her out and Carrie thinks it's beyond the pale that someone would ask her to be like a model in a fashion show and kind of like mm. the way that plays out I thought was really interesting um and also how they're both kind of like to the other like duh like obviously you could do like you know you could do the fashion show or you could um or you are really sexy so yeah I don't know I thought it was I thought it was really interesting I think you're right and I think that's another reason why this episode is so well regarded because I think we all, as people who have friends, love the idea that our friends know us inside out. It, it's one of those kind of hallmarks that you have a friendship that goes beyond the surface. Um, and I thought that was really lovely that, that like you say, sort of, of course Miranda thinks that Carrie can be a model. And certainly Samantha and Charlotte thoroughly encourage mm -hmm. her to go for it as well. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And then when Miranda's like, just can't believe that a man would see her as sexy and I think that's really relatable because I think like like when had some things it's it's easy to think of yourself as funny or it's easy to think of yourself as clever even but seeing yourself as sexy because sexy is so subjective in the eye of the beholder it's very hard to know what somebody else finds sexy and that's even if you don't have crippling dysmorphia. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but um, so, yeah, it, it was, it's a really sweet storyline. And like you say, all four of them are grappling with that, that yeah, the, the, the weight of other people's perceptions. Um, and of course, Miranda gets together with a personal trainer from her gym who has been watching her for months. I thought that was creepy too. I was like, girl, you better, I don't know, <laughs> watch out next time. <laughs> She likes meeting people in gyms, doesn't she? There was that guy with the kid who pressed all the buttons, right? Mm, I remember yeah. that because I was like, I would be so annoyed if that was me. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Captain Crunch. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna, I used to love that as well. I used to love that. Because, I mean, I've said this many times in many forums, but one of my favourite things about Sex and City is they're women who earn money and then they spend their money that they have earned. And I remember way back when being, like, impressed at the things they did as extracurriculars. So, like, Miranda going to the gym, um, them going to various yoga classes, spinning classes. At one point, I think they go to, like, a goddess class where they're wafting scarves around and... <laughs> And I love all that. I love that these are women who have full lives away from dating. And I think that's so important. And some of the women I really look up to in my life are women who are actually single, but just have these incredibly busy lives. Like I have one friend in particular, you cannot fucking pin her down. And it's because she's out horse riding and, oh, I've got a weekend where I'm learning how to be an archer. And you're like... (laughs) This is incredible. <laughs> and then you have Sam hiring, you know, the photographer, presumably, to do her yeah. photos as well. Another way of spending her income. Spending in a, her income on way. something she wants, mm-hmm. yeah. which I loved that as well. I didn't love that she was starving herself for the picture. No. That's also deranged. Maybe she too is eating Varg instead of... I mean, Solid. her and Charlotte, like, lamenting how difficult it was to only eat organic was, like, very, like peak privilege wasn't it <laughs> like it's just like okay fine and now it wouldn't be now literally what shop doesn't sell organic at three pounds more expensive than the normal well do you know what it's got to the point where like if i was eating in like a trendy brunch place i would just assume everything was organic <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says on the menu well anyway. it definitely says it's organic but yeah i think everyone can identify with that to a point can't they um kind of not people seeing you differently from how you see yourself. And sometimes people seeing you in a more positive light than you see yourself. Um, For example, people often tell me that I seem very kind of calm and chill. Whereas if they were in my head, they would never be saying that. Um, But it's interesting, isn't it? That's the question, isn't it? People's, do we ever see ourselves clearly? That's Carrie's question. Mm. Maybe not. I I think what, what boils my piss about the personal trainer like Suyin said, is that why does he get to decide who Miranda is? And it's not quite fair. And, you know, it's a bit almost not incel. I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. A bit sort of pick-up artisty that he likes her when she's unsuspecting and wilting and self-depreciating. But as soon as she becomes sexually confident and confident within her own skin... He finds her arrogant, which just feels to me that's it's misogynist. Let's just yeah. say it. Yeah. It's Sexist, misogynist. Yeah. misogynist, toxic masculinity. Mm. Yeah. 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 When at the end when she kind of uh, like confronts him and then he's like, Well, oh, you just seem a bit full of yourself. I just wanted to like oh. throw something at my laptop screen because I was like, God, oh. who are you to say that, you weirdo who's been watching her for months? Like, who yeah, exactly like you said, who are you to decide what? this woman can or can't be it just was irritating also he's not that hot do you think he's hotter than the photographer not as hot do you think the photographer is hotter i would take the photographer over captain crunch i mean they're both trash yeah there's not a, there's not a great pick of men in this episode <laughs> yeah. um. no. although we do have a really fun i don't know well maybe not fun it kind of plays into like perceptions and also being a bit judgmental, the meet between Stanford and Anthony. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's the first time they meet, right? And um, It is. 
yeah, it doesn't go too well. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that I like, so this is why, obviously there was never a second Sex in the City film. They stopped after one, which we're all really grateful for. But if there had been a second Sex in the City film where Stanford and Anthony got married, I would have been really cross about that. <laughs> for the reason that Anthony says in this episode, which is what you think as we're both gay yeah. men, we're going to get together. Yeah, absolutely. Which is such a trope of straight people. And it used to happen to me pre-transition all the time. I'm sure it's happened to Dylan, which is a well-meaning cishet person in the middle of two gay people tries to play matchmaker. And it never works. And you're just kind of like, well, for one thing, clearly we are both bottoms. So what what <laughs> is what is this? You know, kind of like dig, like peel the onion, peel the onion, Charlotte. Um, Do you know what I hate that has happened to me a couple of times is when someone's like, oh, you'll know him, he's, and I'm like, what? You Just because we're both gay, you'll think we know each other, and then we do know each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Well, Dylan, you are very well connected, <laughs> to be fair. I would, I would assume that you knew yeah. most people, especially in London. He's in London, he's in media, you might know him. <laughs> <laughs> the chances are I would know them, yeah. Um, but you wouldn't necessarily want to yeah. be with them yeah. sexually, which, and... Now, I wouldn't put Stanford and Anthony together. No. No. And I certainly wouldn't have them get married. No, oh my I God, know. Really? Ooh, ooh. And I, I can see what they were doing, that their relationship evolves and they grow closer. But no, that really... In fact, do you, do you know, I think I would have been more forgiving of Sex and the City 2 if it hadn't been... Because obviously that's the very beginning of the film and I'm just like... It just put me in a bad mood before we even got to the racism. I was in a bad mood, you know. <laughs> um, so. But Anthony is, despite the fact that it was Charlotte and Carrie's fault for just assuming they would get on, Anthony is a dick to Stanford. Yeah. Like, he should have yes. just, yeah, he so should have been, yeah, he should have just been nicer. Like, whatever. When I've been in those situations, like, you're a dick if you're not just, like, a nice civil person to them. Um, mm. At least and for a couple of hours until the evening's over. Like, you can last that long. Fucking hell. Um, of course. Yeah, and that, that bugged me. Although that said, as their relationship gets more and more toxic, I, I really like that next meeting where Anthony, late, obviously spoilers, um, where Anthony outs Paul the Hustler. Um, I love that episode. <laughs> Because you were gay since you were born. <laughs> were born. And I love in this one when he's like, I got a high tide ass. I'm a cat. <laughs> what does he say? I forgot. Oh, I he's forgot. so, even when he's like just running down the street and he's like talking with these like huge bags and he's like, I've been to Bed Bath and friggin' beyond. It just like <laughs> cracks me up so much. He's so good. What's the actor's name again? I'm blanking. Oh, on Mario sure. Cantone. Mario Cantone, yeah. Who is back, who is back, as is Willie Garson. So yeah. in some way, shape or form... Um, the Blatch Marantinos will, will be back in and just like that. Um, I'll tell you, he's got the same energy as Anthony, but in real life, is Billy Eichner, who I adore, <laughs> who is kind of like the real life Anthony Marantino kind of. That's true. Um, yeah, I see that. I adore, I adore Billy Eichner. Um, I was about to repeat quite a scurrilous internet rumour I'd heard about Billy Eichner, but I didn't because I don't want to get sued, so that's... That's good of me to not do that. Just one more thing on this story and then we'll move on. It it um, was connected to possibly the only very problematic line in this episode, which was when 
Carrie was like, oh, Stanford's about to resort to dating hookers. And then Charlotte's like, hookers? Ew. And Carrie's like, I know. Um, that can fuck off. But yeah. <laughs> Of course, and so I got to thinking we would use the word sex worker. We would not use hooker or indeed Paul the hustler. <laughs> and it wouldn't be ew, it would be ooh. <laughs> and I think, have they had dealings with sex workers in the past in Sex and the City? Well, it's interesting because Stanford does end up dating a sex worker. Yeah. Of course, he does. We didn't like, we certainly didn't like the judgment. No. So let's discuss Charlotte's depressed vagina. Um, Vulvodynia. Let's Google the, because um, Carrie doesn't know what it is. I've heard of it, but I'm not sure. I, ha- Vulva. I hadn't heard of it before this episode. Dinia? Vulvodynia. Let's have a look. Okay, this is. Um, Medicine brought to you by Juno. Vulvodynia is persistent, unexplained pain in the vulva. The vulva is the female genital area, including the skin surrounding the opening of the vagina. It can happen to all women of all ages. Well, not transgender ones. Vulvodynia can become a long-term problem that's very distressing to live with, but much can be done to help relieve the pain. Now that's interesting because this sounds like one of those things whereby, a bit like IBS, which is if it happened to more men, they would probably know exactly what it is and exactly what caused it. <laughs> and so, so reading that, it strikes me as being like IBS, which is, well, we don't really know what it is. We've given it a name. The name is vulvodynia, but you'll be fine. Could you please don't go to your GP? Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably nothing. It's probably period pain. Oh, wait, you've had endometriosis for 20 years. Sorry about it, is, is what that sounds like. Um... The NHS website being astonishingly non-inclusive of people with vulvas who may not identify as women as well. So this is the world trans people live in. I just Googled something and I was gendered. Frustrating. But yes, Charlotte has a mystery complaint um, in her vulva and the doctor prescribes a mild antidepressant. Which did make me giggle, <laughs> even though it's serious. <laughs> and like thinking of a mood, she called, I think they called it a mood elevator for your vagina or something. And that just made me, that line just made me chuckle. <laughs> well, it's inter- it's interesting. Here we once again delve into my medical history. Um, I was prescribed a mild antidepressant for the other mystery ailment that affects a lot of women, IBS. Oh. And it was the same conversation. My doctor was like, I'm going to prescribe you an antidepressant. And I was kind of like, can we please talk about my stomach again? And he was like, no, 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 it's, it's for that. He's like, we increasingly, we think IBS might just be a side effect of anxiety. Wow. And I was like, let's give it a whirl. And sure enough, it made a huge impact. And he, he was right. Oh, that's wow. so, so possibly that's where Charlotte's gynecologist is at similarly as well, which is possibly Charlotte's vagina is fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's anxious. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we know now that psychosomatic illness is very, very real and your state of mind can have bizarre mystery impact on your body. Mm. You know, my anxiety, my stress gives me the shits, you know, and, and it shouldn't. And for the longest time, you know, they poked around looking for cancer and they gave me every sort of intolerance test. Is it gluten? Is it lactose? And now it turns out I was literally worrying myself sick. And, you know, we know that Charlotte's her marriage is in the state and she kind of separated and then she's getting back together with Trey. 
Maybe it's no great surprise that Charlotte is experiencing weird psychosomatic illness. Yeah, that's so interesting. And actually would have been like really interesting if they had maybe opened that up a little bit in the show in the show. Or like... not what just played it for laughs. No, yeah. <laughs> Charlotte, would you have a vagina like some fries? <laughs> Dear diary. Guess who I fancy. Um Yeah, no, I, I didn't actually think of that in, in that way. Because she does mention Trey like really in passing I think when her and Carrie are walking down the street but um yeah this time that their marriage is still a bit rocky so it totally makes sense actually in that way but yeah it is kind of play for laughs in this in this episode and it is funny yeah. I cannot pretend that yeah, it's not yeah. funny I love when she's like oh very funny my vagina is depressed and then like realizes how ridiculous she sounds and like can't help but laugh as well that was and a really then, sweet moment I thought and then like just as they're talking about it like Sam comes in with her contact sheets and she's like I'd like your art eye Charlotte <laughs> <laughs> like, your art yeah. eye oh my god so Charlotte is a complete hypocrite in this bit. So, like, she says, right, I've written it down because it annoyed me so much, where she's like, that's not very arty when she looks at Charlotte posing nude. Charlotte fucking posed nude for that artist and he painted her vagina. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so she did. So what is she talking about? And she said she's never seen her vagina up close. She saw it on a massive fucking painting <laughs> yeah. in an art gallery. Like... Okay, Charlotte. <laughs> well spotted plot hole there. Another yeah. thing, that I, another thing that I found this is a little a little tangent, but another thing that I found kind of funny was Carrie saying that she feels very uncomfortable having her photo taken because she literally had like posed in that naked dress for the side of the bus, and I and then I was just like, but I thought you felt very it seemed like you were very comfortable. I guess people can change their minds and stuff, but it just made me laugh when she said that. Yeah, yeah. And later on in next season as well, she does her book cover where she seems actually she has quite a lot of opinions about that. So maybe maybe this is yeah. But you're right, the naked dress was very confident. Maybe it was the single and fabulous cover that traumatised her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question mark. Do you know what? I'd be fucking wary as well after that. You are quite right. Oh my God, yeah, I would, I would need therapy. But and isn't the, Charlotte, the Charlotte issue does resolve itself because they go, they take it in a slightly different direction as well. And of course, see, that's interesting as well because so actually presumably somewhere in Charlotte's home is the beautiful portrait of her vagina that the artist made because if that was my genitals I would definitely want that in my living room um and yet she's she's she claims to have never seen mm. her vulva so she has to look in the mirror she's also I think I guess it's an example of like how much they've changed her character because she was so much cooler in season one yeah and mm. and two and she was she was artier like and she had her art gallery and like by season four, you kind of forget that that was ever a thing. And like, what's happened to her art gallery? Like, what? Like, she's she's a Park Avenue Pollyanna now, isn't she? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have we had the bit where she gives up work yet? Has that happened? I think. Did she give it up when she when her and Trey married? Or no? Maybe there's a whole episode about it, isn't? Yeah, there, there is. Yeah, because yeah. she she hires the new Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there um, is. Because she 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 wants to raise money for charity and paint pots. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's, it's a funny one. Is, is there anything worth saying about Samantha? Um, she kind of gets the D storyline this week. Um, yeah. Which is fine. She gets her naked pictures. Um, and she does, of course, want people to want her butt. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I always find it so interesting. Kim Cattrall, obviously such a different kettle of fish to the others where, you know, they're in an HBO series called Sex and the City, yet they are always fairly restrained, except Kim Cattrall, who's... <laughs> that scene where she puts the leg up on the box is so genius. She's like... I am ready, and off she goes. Kind of, it's so brilliant. Oh my god, the photographer assistant, whose name is Tiger. <laughs> Tiger is Buster from Arrested Development. Development. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, I've never watched Arrested Development. Oh really? I, I, I found it mean. <laughs> yeah, I suppose I can see that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, yeah, and I know it's. That, that thing that when I tell people that I didn't get on board with Arrested Development, they look at me as if I was insane, but I just, I just didn't. That's fair enough. What do, you, what do you think of it, Suyin? I didn't keep, I only watched like the first couple of episodes. I didn't keep up, didn't uh. keep up with it. <gasps> See, was it because it was mean? A little, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because obviously I adore with all my heart Shit's Creek. And when I first watched Shit's Creek, I thought, oh, it's going to be like Arrested Development. It's a bit mean. But then people compelled me to stay with it, and I'm glad I did because Shit's Creek is one of the loveliest oh, yeah. things I've ever seen. Gorgeous, um, yeah. So let's answer Carrie Bradshaw's question: Can we ever see ourselves clearly, or do we need our friends to cast back a more accurate reflection of us? I think I don't know. It's kind of it's the hard one. I think both. I think I think it is hard for us to see ourselves clearly. I mean, I know for for myself, I'm like someone who is super self-critical and it's something I'm trying to work on through therapy but I do think there's like that tendency within a lot of us to like you know think oh we could never do that like carry on around to do or like you know berate ourselves when something goes wrong or you know talk ourselves down from doing things if we don't think we're good enough and sometimes it does take your friend who's someone who's got more of a removed perspective to be like actually wait you're being silly of course you can um I think, I think, yeah, I'm not sure that answers the question, but I think it is hard for us to see ourselves clearly, maybe. Mm. But that's maybe just my perspective. Hmm. I think it takes a lot of time as well. I think, you know, my friends, my closest friends that I've been friends with for 20, 25 years now, which is outrageous, you know, I really think I can see when some of them are starting to repeat patterns. And, I, and you can only see a pattern if you've been on the scene for a certain amount of time, you know, if, if you've only met somebody quite recently, it's possible you're, you're still seeing a version of themselves that they've created. And I think, especially when I lived in London and I was going out with media people, I would meet people and, you know, the first time I met them, I'd be like, oh my God, they're like a force of nature. They're amazing. But then the more you got to know them, the more you realise actually that's a bit of a facade and it's not the real me, kind of. Whereas when you've known somebody for a very long time, you a you've gone past the facade because you can only keep up a mask for so long I think but more than that you start to see the sort of the rise and fall and certainly you know even this year a friend of mine who I've been friends with for a really really long time I started to see there were certain patterns with her in like in her career and in her home life and I was like I remember it was during lockdown so it's when we were only allowed to go for endless walks and I remember us walking up and down the beach and sort of me sort of saying do you realize you do this and she was like that's really interesting and she actually hadn't necessarily realized it was a pattern so I think with some friends they are indispensable because sometimes you might not especially when you're in crisis you might not even recognize that you're in crisis yeah definitely 
Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing, yeah, speaking from my perspective, like, yeah, I agree with both of what you guys both just said. And also, I think there's nothing more, there's nothing that makes you feel closer to one of your friends than when they really see you. And particularly when they bring you back down to earth with a bump exactly when you need it. Um, I think that's the sign of a true, of a true friendship, isn't it? Indeed. I think that's all for this week. I think we've managed to successfully answer Carrie Bradshaw's question. Um, next week, we will be watching series four, episode three, Defining Moments, when we will be joining Ray the Jazz Man. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying is you're going to need a drink and a Valium, okay? Oh my God, Ray the Jazz Man. <laughs> Like, why is he so dreaded? <laughs> oh, it's going to be hard work, everyone. Please don't let that put you off. Please join us as we discuss his scatting. Until then, um, thank you for joining us, listeners. And thank you for joining us, Su Yin. Yeah. Finally, thank you so much for bringing your perspective. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a... Uh dream come true one of my 2021 goals <laughs> oh. Oh. and all the very very best of luck at Galdem as well you're yeah. going to be amazing I'm sure yeah. until next week I've been Juno Dawson that's Dylan B. Jones you can find us on social media at S-I-G-T-T podcast on Instagram and Twitter and don't forget to like and subscribe bye for now Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.